0: Folks, if you could have open before you that second passage, um, which we, we read together a moment ago, First uh, Peter chapter 3, you'll find it on page 1219. We're going to look at it in a few moments' time, so, so have that open before you. Let's pray. Father God, you are a great God, and we've enjoyed uh, singing that just here. We've remembered already with the children how you created this world and how you've created us. Lord, in the light of your greatness and your goodness, it would seem a strange thing that we didn't want to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, you speak and we listen. Let us hear your word together today. Amen. Julie's already referred to it in in leading the first part of the service that um, our our theme for a series uh, on Sunday mornings this autumn time is the gospel-centered church. And we're trying to go back to our roots. We're trying to take a radical look at the church um, and ask a question, what kind of a church Would the gospel of Jesus Christ form? If we started from scratch, what would our values be? What would be important to us if we simply had the gospel of Jesus before us and gathered around it and and obeyed it? Last week we began by noticing that a gospel centered church is a church with, with mission at the center. We noticed that in Jesus' Great Commission, Matthew 28. We notice it again in a passage from Acts chapter 1, where Jesus told his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So verses like this and and large parts of the New Testament make it crystal clear that, that mission is at the center of the church of Jesus Christ. Mission's the core activity; uh, it it shapes everything that we do. This morning, as we begin, continue to build up this picture of the Gospel Center Church, I want to ask a question, and that is, who? The who question: Who's this for? If missions at the center of the church, who are who are the people who are supposed to do? This this missional work, this sharing the good news of Jesus? Well, the only biblical answer to that question is everyone. Everyone who has come to know and love Jesus ought to be sharing the good news of Jesus with people around them. So today we want to say not only is mission at the center, mission is for everyone. And I'm just you know, I'm having one of those moments that a preacher has where he says something and he knows that the guilt level in the congregation is just... I can see it. It's like the the barometer. So here's Christoph standing at the front saying, everybody ought to be telling people about Jesus. Now, before that guilt just uh, shuts us all down, let me share an illustration from uh, the book that uh, I'm using as a framework for this series. Steve Timmison, Ch- Tim Chester's book, The Gospel-Centered Church. They, they have this illustration there in, this, in a chapter that, that really struck a chord with me. The train was pulling out of the station, and Robert sat looking at the couple opposite him. He knew that they were going all the way into London, and that that meant that he had three hours together with them in their company. He smiled at them, and they both gave him a reluctant acknowledgement. Oh, no, he thought to himself, what on earth am I going to say? He decided to carry on reading his newspaper, and at least, or at least to look like he was. And it soon became obvious that there was going to be no natural way to strike up a conversation with these guys. But he just knew that he had to. He knew that he had to because that's what the visiting preacher at church the night before had said. He made it all sound so easy and so exciting. Now, Robert did want to talk to these guys. He did want to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And he knew that it might be one of very few opportunities they would get to hear this crucial message. So the weight of their eternal destiny weighed down on him. And he desperately tried to think of a way in Maybe he could offer to get them something from the buffet car. He was frantically trying to think. But as he looked at them again, his resolve quickly evaporated. It seemed like no time at all before the three-hour journey was up. The announcer came over the intercom to say they were five minutes away from their destination. Robert just sank into his seat, despairing at his own inadequacy. I wonder if that strikes any sort of a chord with you. Have you ever found yourself in the same position that you've wanted to, to say something to somebody uh, about Jesus and the, the role that he uh, plays in your life and, and how important it is that they too would come to know him? What should Robert have done? Was he right in trying to talk to these fellow travelers who were with him that day? Is he wrong to have made such a big deal of that? We're going to have a look for a moment at that Bible passage that we just read together and see if we can find any help there in God's Word. If you look again with me, First Peter 3, look particularly at verse 15. Peter says, "'In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord.'" Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. This is a moment where somebody was able to talk to somebody else about Jesus. Let's try and work out how that came to be. We're going to do that. I'm going to ask you to do a very minimal Bible study with me, so I'm going to fire a few questions up on the screen. So the first question up on the screen now Who initiates the gospel conversation in verse 15 and why do they initiate it? 30 seconds, that's all you're getting. And the answer is... It is the... It's the person who comes in contact with the Christian who initiates the conversation. And they do so because they've been struck by the hope that the Christian has demonstrated. So it's not a forced conversation by the Christian. The the other person has questions that they want to ask and engage. Now, that's quite interesting. Folks... Starting up the awkward conversation with random strangers is one way of sharing the gospel, and and actually it's something I wish I had a bit more courage to do, Uh, and maybe over time I'll I'll learn to do more of that. But it's not the only, and, and I don't think it's the best way, to talk to people about Jesus. Peter's telling his readers that something incredible can happen. We can live lives that are so vibrant so eye-catching that they intrigue people who watch. And they can't help themselves but to come and ask a little bit about that. You know, we live, I think, with this preconceived idea that, you know, it's, it's the culture that tells us this. We've bought into the lie ourselves. I think it suits Satan for us to believe this, that, that the Christian life is boring and off-putting. But Peter's telling us, actually, there's another reality here that a life lived well for God can be very attractive. Let's have another question then. Question two. What's the link between setting apart for Christ as Lord in our hearts and being asked questions about the gospel? That's a harder one, I think. 30 seconds. What's that first part of the verse all about? Okay, let me offer an answer to that. These are my answers, by the way, so if they're not great, come and speak to me afterwards. It's when we choose to live under the lordship of Jesus and to demonstrate an entirely new way of life of Jesus that people take notice and they want to know what's going on. So if I say that I'm a Christian but live exactly the same life as a person who doesn't know Jesus at all, then I need not be surprised that they aren't coming and asking any questions. If I claim to live under the lordship of Christ, but live under the lordship of ambition, material success, whatever it is that that people, by and large, are living for, then my life will raise no questions. There'll be no curiosity. But if I did actually begin to live in some of the ways that Jesus calls us to live. If my priorities began to be shaped by the priorities that Jesus calls us to, if I began to, to treat people and, and particular kinds of people in the way that Jesus did, now that would be a different matter. Then my life might just be that kind of life that has people asking questions. Question three. What kind of behavior will provoke questions from unbelievers? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to skim read the, the passage that I've earmarked for you there. If you, flick, if you look back a little bit, try and get a feel for what Peter thinks this life looks like. In the previous chapter or so before our passage, Peter's been telling these guys about the kind of life that the gospel calls into being. And look at what he says. In verses 13 to 17 of chapter 2, he talks about how they live in the public sphere. What, what kind of a, an impression are you making in your public life? He talks in verses 18 to 25 about how they conduct themselves in their workplaces. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, how they conduct themselves in their marriages. Chapter 3, verses 8 to 14, he's talking about living at harmony with all people. It's more of a summary kind of a statement. Did you notice then what Peter says is going to catch the eye of the people around us? Not the size of our church buildings not the content or regularity of our church meetings. It's how we really live our real lives when we rub shoulders with other people is what's going to to catch their eye. I remember earlier this year, uh, it was while I was at the Kingdom Conference, and I heard Trevor Morrow, the minister of Lucan Presbyterian, tell a story of how one member in his church family in Lucan came to faith. This particular man had lost his job um, in the the recession as it began, as the Celtic tiger dramatically ground to a halt. He was one of the first casualties. Um, Like most of us, he relied on his income to pay his mortgage. So this guy not only had lost his job, but was very soon going to lose his home. At a meeting of of the church, this man told how his neighbors, a Christian couple, called round to visit him and his partner one evening. John, they said, we've been talking. We know that you've fallen in hard times. We know that you're in, in grave danger of losing your house. We don't want that to happen. We would like to take over your mortgage repayments until such times as you can make them yourself. And a short time later, this man came to faith in Jesus Christ, and he told the story before the church in Lucan of what these people had done for him. And he said this, Now tell me, after what's happened to me, who wouldn't want to be a Christian? I tried to rehearse that in a Dublin accent, but I I, I shied clear of that. It sounded better that way. Who, when you're confronted with something like that, wouldn't want to be a Christian? That's what Peter's talking about. I wonder how soon people are going to ask us about the hope that we have. Is it going to be the family of that young woman, whom I mentioned here last week, who we've begun to start to help in some small ways, moving into a housing executive house? Is it going to be the family of that woman? Or or is it going to be people who, who watch the incredible love and care that members of this congregation are giving in a nearby nursing home? Is it it going to be those people who are going to be intrigued and begin to to ask what's going on here? Or or is it going to be some of the the mums who come along to parents and toddlers and find their encouragement and help uh, at just one of the the most difficult seasons of their lives when they they feel overwhelmed by caring for their small children? Who's it going to be? I don't know. But folks, I do know this, that the more and more we learn to live our lives under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and do that in a public place, the more people are going to wonder what's going on and the more they're going to have questions for us. Question four. What kind of preparation can we give or make to be ready to give the reason for our hope? I'll just fire the answer straight up in the interest of time. We can continue to grow in our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can begin to learn how to share the good news with others. Folks, on Sunday evening of next week, we're going to begin a series here of studies in the book of Romans. We're going to think together. Quite a long time and quite hard about the content of the Christian gospel. What's this all about? Maybe that would be a good thing for you to to prioritize for the next few months, to be along and and to learn again, remind yourself of of the basics of what the gospel is all about. In November of this year, we're gonna start our next Christianity explored course. Maybe now is a good time for you to start praying for the person whom you could invite along to that. Start now to make preparation. For some time now, I've I've been thinking that we we probably need to think about some way of learning together how to talk to people about Jesus. If anybody has any particular ideas of how we could most beneficially do that, I'd love to hear from you. If there's anything that you think would help you to, to share Jesus Christ with people, come and talk to me about it. We will do it. We'll, we'll stop at nothing to learn how to, to, to give a reason for this hope that we have in us. Folks, that's what we want to be about. I wonder what we make, then, of a passage like this in the light of, of Robert, the guy sitting on the train feeling guilty, that he hadn't talked to those people about Jesus. Does this way of thinking that I've I've shared just now, does that let us off the hook? Yes, actually, I think it does. I think it lets us off the hook from going through life with clenched fists, sweating brows, anxious every moment of every day, about not talking to people about Jesus. I think it lets us off that hook. But reading 1 Peter, I I think, doesn't let us off the hook of showing and telling the gospel. In fact, when I read it, I think it it takes me and just sets me right on that hook. It reminds me that God wants me to be a, a credible witness to Jesus Christ in the places where I really am with the people he's really given me. I'm firmly on that hook, I think. In the gospel centered church, mission is at the center and it's for everyone. Friends, think for a moment of how many people a congregation the size of ours could reach. You know, the beauty of this is that, that we're not all ministers or, or full-time Christian workers, not all guys like me locked away in the church. You, you folks meet and rub shoulders with so many people. You do it in the, the staff room in your workplace. You do it in the surgery. You do it in the, the classroom where you teach or you're taught. You do it at the school gate. You do it in the boardroom and the changing room on the field and on the factory floor. These are the places where we get to set apart Jesus Christ as Lord and then talk to people about the hope that we have in us. Folks, it's when we behave like this that we will have opportunities to share the gospel. There's a famous saying attributed to, to St. Francis, preach the gospel always, use, if necessary, use words. I think it has an element of truth in it. It's, it's good as far as it goes, but I'm not sure it really captures the whole of Jesus' call. Can I offer you an alternative? We've read 1 Peter We've read many parts of the New Testament over these recent years. I think it says something more like this. If they'll listen, tell them. If they won't, show them. We're not going to hesitate from speaking to people about Jesus. If that opportunity presents itself, we'll do it. If they'll listen, tell them. If they won't, show them. Folks, we're finished for now. We've seen this morning that every every Christian without exception is called to be a, a minister of the gospel, someone who can share Jesus with other people. We'll do that in how we live our lives. We'll do it with our stumbling words. But we're the people. We are the ones that God is going to use to reach our, our families and our friends and our neighbors, and our colleagues, it's us. We're going to learn together and encourage each other as we do this. The gospel-centered church, a place where mission is at the center, and mission is for everyone. Let's pray. Lord, we think back to that image Julie gave us at the start of our service about how we'll, we'll talk about the thing that excites us to other people. Lord, give us a, a real experience of you today. Excite us again so that we'll be ready to talk to other people about Jesus. Amen.